This sermon, The Great Commission and the Local Church, was preached by Derek Overstreet on June 26th at Southern Grace Church, Tucson. If you're visiting with us, we've been preaching through the book of Acts. But this morning we are going to take a, a break uh, intentionally and in a way that is connected to where we are in the book of Acts. And I'll explain that in a moment. But right now, would you just would you bow your head with me and let's pray uh, right up front. Lord, we do rejoice in your common grace toward our country through the Supreme Court's decision to overrule Roe versus Wade. We celebrate that. It is your doing, and it is good. Lord, we know that the work is not done yet, but more importantly, we know that you are at work. Lord, we pray for our country just as Tim did earlier, that you would be merciful to us. Lord, we, we grieve with our brothers and sisters over Everett's passing, but we rejoice because right now he is with Jesus. The one that we long to see face to face one day, he is there. Thank you for that. Lord, we pray for all those who aren't with us today, the many who are sick or who are traveling. Would you be merciful to them? Would you, would you protect them? Would you make them aware constantly and continually of your love for them? And now as we look in your word, you've gathered this group of people. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin this morning by asking a question. When God invades the world with the glory of Christ, where does he begin? When God invades, when God decides to invade the world, with the glory of his son, with the good news of his son, where does he begin? Well, I think that depends on who you ask, right? And I'm sure we might hear a lot of different answers. One's missiology, that is one's theology, philosophy, and methodology for reaching the world with Jesus can come in all shapes and sizes, and it does. But I believe that when God invaded the world with the glory of Jesus in Acts, he gave us a blueprint for our missiology. And in particular, in these coming chapters, Acts 13 through 28, we've said this already, but but we're gonna see Luke shift his focus from Peter and Jerusalem to Paul, and his church planting efforts. And so we are kicking off this new era in Acts with a look at our own missiology, which you will find in the coming weeks, it will be unpacked more and more 
as we look right here in the book of Acts at their missiology, particularly through the planting of churches. But the great church movement that we see in Acts is really simply an outworking of the Great Commission that we see in Matthew 28. George Peters writes of Matthew 28 and the Great Commission, the primary historical significance of the Great Commission lies in the fact that it gives to the church the pattern and purpose of missions. It defines and delineates the missionary task. And then he goes on to say, we have a, in the Great Commission a compass, a charter, and a plan. Amen to that. Aren't you glad that, that, that God didn't just leave it up to us to figure out? He gave us a charter. He, he set our course. He gave us a plan. And we see that plan in the Great Commission. We see it uniquely worked out in the book of Acts. And so we are going to begin Acts part 3 in Matthew 28. So would you stand with me and let's read that together and we will dig in. The Great Commission, uh, the final words of Jesus to the disciples uh, in, according to Matthew's gospel. Verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You may be seated. To answer our question that we began with, when God invades the world with the glory of Christ, where does he begin? The point of this sermon is to answer that question. And I'm, going, I'm not going to make you wait till the end of the sermon. I'm going to answer that question right now. When God invades the world with the glory of Christ... He begins and he ends with the local church. Two ways that we get there from this text. If you're taking notes this morning, two points, our mission and the strategy for our mission. Let's be clear on our mission, though, before we talk about the strategy. Did you notice what Jesus said in verse 19 Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. The, the, the command and the commission in Matthew 28 is pretty clear. There shouldn't be much confusion on what the mission of the church is. It is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, you guys know this, but, but let me just remind you, a disciple is someone who is sold out for another person, someone who is committed to following the words and the ways of someone else. In true discipleship, there's no room for a half-hearted, take-it-or-leave-it kind of 
attitude. The idea of a disciple is somebody who is all in. Not perfectly in, but someone who is all in. Um, as I thought about this this week, I thought about a man named Dave Ramsey. Some of you may follow Dave Ramsey. Uh, I, I'm not a Dave Ramsey guy, so I'm not plugging him for anybody. But I'll tell you what, that guy knows how to make disciples. <laughs> if you've ever listened to his radio show, he has this thing on there that he calls uh, uh, the debt-free scream, I think it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. But typically what he'll do is he has a couple or somebody who has followed his program. They tell their story, and then they let out this blood-curdling yell, we're dead free! And it just rings across through the speakers uh, as you listen to. You know what I'm talking about, right? But as you listen to their story, it is clear. They are disciples of Dave Ramsey. If Dave Ramsey says, eat top ramen and nothing but top ramen for six months, they eat top ramen and top ramen only for six months, right? If he says, don't put another thing on your credit card until you have whatever it is, 12-month savings, they don't put another thing on their credit card. If you talk to somebody who's a Ramseyite, if I could say that, uh, you know, and, and you bring your own philosophy. Well, you know, Dave Ramsey says, <laughs> that guy knows how to make disciples. If you've ever met somebody who's all in on Dave Ramsey, they are all in on Dave Ramsey. Somebody here is all in on Dave Ramsey. As long as you're tithing, man, I'm good. <laughs> Our mission as a church is to make, by the power and grace of God, disciples of Jesus Christ. So it begs the question, how are disciples made? Well, in our text, there are really three verbs that describe the how of our mission. The first one is in verse 19. It's simple. Go. Go. Every believer here is called to go to the lost. The, the mission is not be ready when the lost comes to you, although we should be ready, as we heard this morning from Pastor Tim, be ready to give a reason for our hope. But, but the mission is much more than that, isn't it? The mission is to go to the lost around you and tell them the good news of Jesus. That, that sense of go there, by the way, in context, is not get out of Dodge and do something groundbreaking. It might be for some people, but, but the primary sense of the, the verb go is where you already are, keep going. That's the tense of that verb. Keep going. Keep going. Go to your neighbor with Jesus. Go to your coworker. Go to your unbelieving spouse. Go to your atheist uncle. Go to your classmates. Go to your children. Go to your lost sibling. Go to your wayward child. Go. 
everywhere that you go every day, go, but go with Jesus. Go with the intention to be used by the Spirit to make disciples of Jesus. We, we like to call these our, our personal evangelistic fishing holes. It's just those places that we go with our gospel fishing pole in the water all the time. It's the barber. It's your coffee shop. It's that soccer team your kids play with. It's the parent you sit next to on the bleachers. That, that's the idea, the primary, not the exclusive, but the primary idea of going here. Some of you may sense a, a personal call beyond your fishing hole. Perhaps some of you have a sense that God's calling you to go to young women in need. Boy, don't we have an opportunity now. There's going to be a, a lot of women who aren't sure where to go. We pray that the Lord would help us to go to them. Maybe you have a personal sense of, of going to the mentally ill or the homeless or the addict, etc. That's, that's not a biblical mandate for every believer, but if you believe that God has called you to go to them, then go to them with Jesus. Not merely practical help, but the message of the good news of Jesus. And, and in discerning whether or not you should go to them, I want to encourage you to, to go to your pastor and allow them to help you walk through that decision. You know, the scripture says that, that the, your pastor is the shepherd of your soul, the under-shepherd of your soul. And where you're going is, is part of that. We don't separate what I'm doing out there with with, with what's going on in the church. If you come to one of your pastors in this church, you're gonna probably hear us ask some questions like, how do you see this ministry as a gospel harvest field for you? We wanna be able to ask you, hey, where are you currently serving in your church right now and, and will serving in this way hinder or lessen your ability to serve and participate in your church? <laughs> so we can avoid conflict we want to ask, is your spouse fully supportive of you in this mission field, in this going? So we're all called to go to our fishing holes, those relationships that God has given us, those daily relationships. Some will be called to go in a unique way and serve people who have different problems and God's providence looks different in their lives. And there may even be some that go into foreign lands, perhaps even join a church plant. By the way, talk to your pastor about that too. But for most of us, for most of us, we're not going to a foreign country. We're not uprooting our family and joining a church plant. Some, yes, most, probably not. For most of us, the going is everywhere God already has us, every day. And in the coming months, we're going to bring a greater focus to this aspect of our mission together. But the first verb that helps us is we're called to go. 
Our mission is a going mission. It's not a, we're here, come see us. It's, we see you, and we're coming (laughs) with Jesus. The second verb that's helpful is the verb baptize in verse 19. We are to go and baptize. When When those we go to with Jesus believe in Jesus, verse 19 commands us to baptize them with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Of course, this baptism doesn't save anyone, but it is a public expression of one's salvation that marks and celebrates their new life as a disciple of Jesus. Amen. We're gonna have a water baptism sometime in July, so if you're wondering about getting baptized, please touch base with Tom, Tim, or myself. There's a third verb here in verse 20. Did you notice? We are to go, we are to baptize, and we are to, verse 20, teach. The, the mission doesn't end on Baptism Sunday. <laughs> In fact, it's just getting started. If we just go and baptize, we, we have new birth, praise God, but no growth. No No growing in being a disciple of Jesus. And that, according to Jesus, is an aborted mission. It's not a full mission. It's half a mission. Uh, The mission continues in that that we must teach teach others to follow and obey so that people will grow in Christ. Sunday morning preaching. Community groups. Youth, men's and women's groups, men's and women's ministries, pastoral counseling, Sovereign Grace University, Fifth Sunday, Book of the Quarter. Someone, someone asked me one time, what does discipleship look like around here? And our, our, our paradigm of discipleship is too often just, you know, two guys meeting one-on-one, and that's certainly discipleship. But it's so much bigger than that. Each of these things I just mentioned, these these are contexts beginning with the Sunday morning preaching. They are expressions of gospel discipleship meant to teach us how to love and live for Jesus in joy and obedience. They, They are a vital part of our missiology. And that idea from those verbs... That idea about mission from sharing Jesus to becoming, to, to, to growing with other disciples and being a disciple of Jesus. According to Matthew 28, 19 through 20, that, that idea of mission demands something. It necessitates something. You know what that something is? It's the local church. The Great Commission demands the local church. It it necessitates the centrality of the local church. And it's the local church that is at the heart of our strategy for mission. That's our second point this morning. We need to understand the mission. We are to go, baptize, and teach. And Jesus is the center of all. All of that. But our strategy, our strategy is found 
in what those verbs demand, and that is the presence of the local church. If you think about it, Christian history is littered with people of great faith and vision, a tremendous sense of sacrifice, as well as this overwhelming burden to take the gospel to the world. David Livingston, Jim Elliott, Amy, Amy Carmichael, names. There are some of you who, who have given yourselves to, to missions uh, in very unique ways, and it's an outworking of your love for Christ and, and, and no doubt your conviction of, of this, com- this great commission. But too often what has happened over the years, and I want to be clear, I, I, I say this without taking anything away from how God has used people and organizations like those I just mentioned What has happened is that the church in many ways has given way to, has given given the great commission away, if you will, to the individual personalities and the non-church organizations that serve a purpose, that come alongside of the local church, but too often The mission is something done outside of the local church, disconnected from the local church, while the local church sticks to the churchy stuff. (laughs) You know, we do youth ministry. We sing on Sundays. We do building projects. And as a result, the formula for missions for too many people has become something like the gospel plus the believer plus the individual call equals missions. Notice what it's void of, the local church. And the effect of that formula is that you have individuals or missionary societies going out into the mission field with God's gospel, but but not establishing God's community. And that's what the Great Commission demands, is the establishment of God's Community, According to Matthew 28, when we do that, when we fail to establish God's community, then, then we are on mission, but, but our mission is incomplete. It's incomplete. So I, I, I submit that a fully orbed mission looks something like this. The gospel plus the believer plus the local church equals missions. Again, the verbs for the Great Commission in understanding the role of the local church are instructive. Go. Going implies being sent from somewhere, and that somewhere, and we'll see this clearly in the second half of Acts, that somewhere is the local church. Baptize. Baptism is a sacrament. It's a defining mark of what? The church. Teach. We saw last week the pri- a primary function of the local church is to teach, is to teach believers, is to teach God's community how to love Christ and live for his glory. The local church is, is where God calls men who are apt to teach, to invest their lives teaching truth to God's people. So that we can do just that with our lives. 
The local churches where individual Christians are uniquely and intimately equipped and knitted together in community where through their biblical fellowship they uniquely teach and disciple one another in the truths of the gospel in the ordinary flow of everyday life. We call it community groups around here. Look at, look at the local church and, and her place in the mission like an ambassador and an embassy, right? Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians 5, we, you are an ambassador of Christ, right? We understand the role of an ambassador. They, they go, not with their own message, not on their own authority, not with their own ambitions, but they go with the message and in the authority and, and, and with the ambitions of their country. They have a message, and it's not, it, it, it's not simply their message. And that embassy is a place that, that is a, it, 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 it's a central place where they can work out of to where they have been sent we have embassies across the globe where our ambassadors can go and be equipped and have what they need so that they can be effective as they reach out to that country, in that country, with the message of their country. Well, that's a great example of the believer and the local church. The moment that we are saved by grace, we are called to be ambassadors proclaiming the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Our ambitions are now his ambitions. Our message is his message. Our authority, as we will see, is not in and of ourselves. It's his authority to go in his name. And the local church is that that outcropping, that, 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 that central place where Christians can be sent out into their communities doing the work of an, an ambassador, a place where they can be equipped for that work, a place where they can be encouraged for that work, a place where they can call people to come and be a part. And the Great Commission demands the local church, which is at the heart of our mission, to go baptize and teach. And when we remove the local church from the equation, it's like an ambassador without an embassy. What then? You know, we're, we're, we're about to really see this in the book of Acts, and, and that's why we want to just take a moment and, and anchor ourselves here. Next week, we begin chapter 13, which marks the beginning of Paul's church planting missions. And there will be, you will find this undeniable cadence to the story. People go, they baptize, disciples are made, pastors are put in place, local churches are established. Boom, boom. They go, they baptize, local church teaching. That area that the local church begins to radiate that, the gospel in that area. That's the cadence that we will see. That's the pattern that God has given us in the book of Acts. Paul's strategy, we will see, was to evangelize cities by planting churches that would act 
as embassies, gospel embassies in the surrounding area. Dave Harvey writes, church planting is the New Testament method for proclaiming and applying the gospel. Armed with the good news, the disciples would penetrate new regions with a goal of both communicating God's word and creating God's community. That is our mission statement, isn't it? Our mission statement is to, by the grace of God, to to build a God-glorifying church through the proclamation and demonstration. In contrast to traditional missionary enterprise, which often centers primarily upon proclamation, church planting establishes a mission base for that proclamation, integration, and expansion. The gospel plus the believer plus the local church equals missions. That's the New Testament pattern that that we see in Acts. That is the New Testament pattern that Paul's letters and the other men who wrote to the churches reveals, and it all begins right here in Matthew 28, where if we rightly understand the Great Commission, we realize it demands the presence of the local church. And you know what? That's been our experience, hasn't it? Um, That's been our personal experience. We were planted. This church was planted. Uh, Tim Lambros and a small group of people, including the McLeods, they were sent from the church in Gilbert. We participated in planting the church in Santa Ana, California. When we, when we sent, we sent Kyle Holton and his family to Santa Ana so that they could become part of our church in Old Town Orange and really be positioned to plant a church in Santa Ana, which just a couple weeks ago, Tim was sharing. What a blessing for him to be able to be there now and preach to see the fruit of your investment. Kyle, the Holtons didn't just go on their own. They they were sent. Now to have a gospel preaching church that's bringing the good news of Christ, that's going into the streets of Santa Ana, People are being saved. I was on the phone with, with Jeff Schleter this week, who, who uh, is uh, their full-time pastor now, and just sharing with me how the Lord is working in that church, church planting. Here, you've, you've heard us say this before, Lord willing, one day we'll do it. We want to plant more churches in Tucson. We'd love to plant a church in East Tucson. We'd love to plant a church, maybe even a Spanish-speaking church on the south side of Tucson. Lord, would you provide a way for that? Be praying for that. But it's a daunting task when you think about it. Planting churches. And this is why we love being knit together. We are convinced that planting churches is the primary strategy for our gospel mission of going and baptizing and teaching. 
Not to the exclusion of everything that you all are doing in your fishing holes and those other areas where you're uniquely called to serve your community. Now, not to the neglect of that, but, but our primary strategy is planning churches. So to be knit together with sovereign grace churches who share that same passion and conviction, to be part of a family of churches that are passionate about and committed to advancing the, the Great Commission through church planting, well, what a blessing that is. If you don't know, um, we give 10% of everything you give to Sovereign Grace Church so that they can plant churches in places like Africa and the Philippines and South America. Half of what we give them actually goes to our region so that we can plant churches in places like Santa Ana. So when you give, you are advancing the church planting mission. As a, as a denomination, Sovereign Grace Churches has planted five churches in the last 12 months. You may or may not be aware of this. A church in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. A church in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Last year, you as a church sent them almost $40,000. $40, for them, that's almost a year's budget. Your generous giving is advancing our church planting mission. We've planted a church in the last 12 months in Liberia, Prattville, Alabama, and San Antonio, Texas. Some of you who've been around for a while might remember the Vesses. They are now part of that church plant. And being a blessing, I've spoken to the pastor. He says, tell your church thank you. They are a treasure. <laughs> I said, I know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Spoke with Mark Prater, the executive director, this week. I asked him, how many church plants do we have planned in the next 24 months? He said 13, two in Africa, one in Europe, three in Latin America, four in the Asia Pacific, and three in the United States, Malvern, Pennsylvania, Charleston, South Carolina, and Rockville, Maryland. And I believe the latter two will be Chinese-speaking churches. That would be new for us. <laughs> Pray for that. We are part of something much bigger than just this. We... we we are part of something that is beyond ourselves. And the focus and the aim is planting local churches that will invade the community with the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't feel like you're part of something bigger than this. But if you give to this church, you are. I explained that earlier. If you are praying God will use our church beyond these four walls, you are part of something bigger. 
If you are committed to your local church with your gifts and your giving and your presence, you are part of something bigger. We can't plant local churches without local churches, (laughs) according to the Great Commission. If you are wondering about joining a Sovereign Grace church plant, and we would love that you would even consider that, well, you are bigger. You are part of something bigger than just what is going on here. Our strategy for the mission, according to the Great Commission, and as we see it laid out in the book of Acts, and as we see it expressed in the epistles, is to plant local churches. That's our strategy. If you're new around here and wonder, what's our strategy? Our strategy begins there. We want to plant gospel preaching churches wherever God will allow us. And there's a lot of ways that we, put, that we can do that. Even many ways we can do that without actually physically doing that. But before we're done, I want to remind us of one more thing. And that is that where our confidence lies for the Great Commission. We understand our mission. We understand that our strategy is ultimately planting local churches. But as I said earlier, evangelism and church planting can be daunting. So we're grateful to be part of Sovereign Grace. But our confidence is not in sovereign grace. Churches, our confidence is not being part of a church planting movement. Our confidence for mission is rooted in something much higher. See, one thing that we find in the Great Commission is a guarantee. There's a lot of guarantees, right? Send it back. We guarantee to refund you, but we guarantee you'll be satisfied. People want to guarantee everything. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee you, you're going to make money if you let me invest it over here. I guarantee you can't go wrong with that real estate transaction. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now look down at the end of verse 20. After giving them their mission, he says, and behold. In other words, now listen up. You need to know this. I am with you always to the end of the age. That is our guarantee that the captain of our mission, Christ himself, has all authority, and with that authority, he promises to be with us every inch of the way in our mission. In his death and resurrection, he stands highly exalted with all authority over 
all creation. The cross and the resurrection ensured that Jesus would have all authority over Satan and his schemes. The gates of hell will not prevail against the mission of the church. The cross and the resurrection ensures that Jesus has all authority over every government, king, president, and legislative body that may come against the church's mission. The cross and the resurrection guarantees, it ensures that Jesus has all authority over your neighbor or coworker who are hostile towards your faith. Every family member who is indifferent toward the gospel. Think of the person who you think most unlikely to respond in repentance and faith as you go to them with the good news of Jesus. The cross and the resurrection have ensured that Jesus has all authority. The gospel cannot be stopped. Satan has been stripped completely at the cross and the resurrection of his power to stop the gospel from advancing. He tries. He is prowling around like a lion, but he is powerless because Christ has all authority, and that authority has been established in the cross and the resurrection. In the call to mission, the one who has all authority, according to verse 20, he promises to be with us, with that authority. He is with you in power and purpose. And that, that promise guarantees the success of our gospel mission, even when it's not looking that successful. <laughs> we don't know why God builds the way he does. Why is James dead? I don't know. But we saw clearly the word of God continued. And we will see in, this, in the third part of Acts that churches exploded. Churches were planted. The gospel was advancing. See, our confidence is not in our size. It's not in our prospects. It's not in our affiliations. It's not, it, it, it's not in, our, in, in uh, our, our uh, creativity. It's not in our missional resolve. It's in the unwavering resolve of Christ himself to transform sinners into disciples, to build his church through local churches, and to return for his bride where we will spend eternity in his presence. Praising him for his provision and 
his love for us revealed at Calvary. Our hope, our, our, our hope, our confidence is in the one who has said, who has promised, go, I've been given all authority. I now give you the authority. Go with the authority of the good news of Jesus Christ. Go in the authority of my name and know you will not be on your own because I promise to be with you every inch of the way until I bring you home to myself. What else, church? What else do I need? (laughs) Doesn't mean it'll be easy. Jesus also promised, you will have troubles because of me. (laughs) His name will bring hardships. But what confidence we can have in this mission of making disciples of Jesus in the context of the local church and repeating that over and over and over again across the globe. That's our confidence in the mission. Three quick questions for your consideration. Do you get bored with what God is doing in here? If so, you may need to evaluate your understanding of God wants to do out there. Unfortunately, I think part of the reason why we get off base with our view of missions is we're just kind of bored with this. (laughs) I want to do something bigger. (laughs) And some of you may be called to that. But if you get bored with what God is doing in here, there's a good chance you don't understand the what and the how of what he wants to do out there. So evaluate that. Be honest. Question number two, we, we, we all go every day. The question is, how much of my going is for Jesus? How much of my going is intended to spread his name? And finally, the Great Commission begins and ends with the local church. So begin with your commitment here in your local church the heartbeat of the mission. And if God is leading you to something out there, well, talk to one of your pastors so they can faithfully shepherd your soul in that decision. And let's see what the Lord wants to do with you. Let's see what the Lord is calling you to. When God invades the world with the glory of and good news of Jesus Christ. He doesn't begin out there. He begins and ends with his local church. It's what he said in his great commission. It's what Acts gives us a pattern for. And it's what the epistles flesh out 
in very simple and practical terms. Let's pray that the Lord advances our mission right here in Tucson. Amen? Let's pray.